This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Anyone chuckle when you saw the phone book? Anyone? Yeah, I know. It is funny, a whole generation that will not know this, with the exception of, why did they put this thing on my doorstep I need to recycle? Life changes. It shifts. Some of you may still use it. I get it. I'm not trying to offend with my holding of the yellow pages. Uh, It's a wonderful setting for knowing things, and some of you may still use it to get some numbers that you need. But stuff's always shifting. Uh, It's always moving. For us this morning, in our four parts throughout August, we have looked at what it is to know Christ. To realize that Christ comes to us in the Lord's Supper, as we will celebrate that later this morning. That he comes to us in the waters of baptism. Last week we talked about growing in Christ as we engage the scriptures, as we do each and every single week here. One of my goals for you as a congregation is that you realize, bring a Bible because we're going to do what with it? Get ready. Use it. We're going to open it that we're actually going to do it. So don't worry, we will. We'll get there very soon. And this morning we look at serving Christ. Uh, But serving Christ can be problematic because sometimes we have different ideas of what it is uh, that God wants us to do. So open up now. We're going there. John 6, uh, verse 60, 61. We start in our gospel text. And as we go into the gospel text, you get this whole serving Christ kind of question. And the question that actually comes uh, is, how is it that God is going to serve his people? Now, as you're turning to John 6, Uh, verse 60, I want you to hear for a moment, as we've done each week in August, uh, what it is to serve Christ. And you get a little snippet of our youth at Servant Event. So we're going to hear what they were doing in Servant Event in Camp Haven just about a month and a half ago. Uh, Some of you sent to youth there. Others have never seen this. Happens at a camp in western North Carolina. Uh, They serve through Habitat for Humanity. Several different counties are served. Uh, They serve a developmental uh, institution where some older adults who have developmental challenges. So you'll see them playing games with a gentleman. Uh, This is a man who can't live independently but lives in a group home. Uh, They serve a VBS for children who uh, are dealing either with physical, mental, or drug abuse or other challenges. Uh, Our youth learn a lot about the world. You know what they learn? You can't take pictures of these kids because sometimes their parents don't know where they are. Uh, Our kids do a lot of growing up there, and they just realize uh, the world's a great and joyous place to serve, uh, but the world's also filled with need. Uh, So I hope you have a chance, just as we step in this morning to think about serving, uh, that you have a chance to learn a little more about what our congregation has been up to. Jordan, it's great to see you. And it's great to see how you are a people who love serving the Lord. You see, that's the third leg of the four objectives that help us to live out what it means to encounter God in worship, to embrace His Word and study, and to impact all nations. To serve. To serve first, we have to be served by the one who has served us. And so may you be blessed by listening to some of the words shared by our youth as they went out in service Camp Haven, as they have gone in many other places, and as you as a congregation have served throughout the years, caring for those in need, caring for those who are broken, and caring for those who need to know their Lord.
talking to people here. Uh, I love serve an event because it is just such an awesome opportunity to both get to serve Jesus and like serve people in the community. So we see our youth exploring, uh, our youth growing, uh, and many of them, uh, kind of odd how timing works out, they're not with us this weekend because they went to college. Yeah, a whole lot of them actually, that's where uh, they are this weekend, uh, starting out. So we're in John 6, verse 60, and I want to talk about the challenge of what it is for us to serve Christ. The text says this, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can listen to it? Now, we're going to unpack what the hard teaching is, but for some people, when they hear what God's asking of us, their first response is, this is a hard teaching, who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about it, he said, do you take offense at this? Now, the challenge that's happening in the text is the people have heard a few verses before. They've heard that they don't like Jesus describing this reality. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. People didn't like the text, they don't like it, so Jesus sees them that they've taken offense. So some of the people hearing it are convinced that Jesus means that you're going to be doing what? Eating his body. Now, a couple of you are sitting there going, oh, well, this must mean that he's talking about, it's a trap, but go for it. Yeah, this must mean he's talking about the Lord's Supper. Well, let's remember the crowd so we can unpack what's going on here. We get in the text that this is actually the crowd that was gathered in Capernaum, and we'll hear that a little bit more. And what happened in Capernaum? The feeding of the 5,000. So John had just shared the feeding of the 5,000 as this text introduced. Now, I want us to look at this because sometimes we hear a text and we get offended fast. So the offense here is the crowds here, wow, this must be. Now, remember, the, the Lord's Supper hasn't happened. This hasn't happened at this point. And an interesting thing here, in all of the texts that talk about the Lord's Supper, we don't see the word flesh. Instead, the word that's used is what? 
my, my body. Now, in the rest of John, if we want to let context be king and let Scripture interpret Scripture, in John 5 as well as in John 3, the references here to actually eating Jesus' flesh are references to what? Well, let's get there, and we're going to take a look and see. John 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He who does not come into life has passed from death to life. It's about belief, that eating the flesh is actually believing on Jesus. Now, I don't want any of you to say that I now don't believe that the Lord's Supper offers Christ's body and blood. I do. But the challenge for the text here was people heard something they didn't like, and they said, goodbye. We're leaving. For them, John 6, in the statement that Jesus said, that you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they said, not interested in it. Rather than learn more of what Jesus was up to, rather than stick around with him to find out what that is, they took offense and said, I'm out of here. And too often for us, rather than listen to what God's actually doing, we can take offense. We can get caught up. Now, how do we know that this is the unpacking of Capernaum? If you go back to chapter 6, and I know I have you kind of bouncing a little in John, go back to John 6, and I want to share this with you if you're turned there. 6, verse 66 and 67. I'm not going to display it. I just want to share it with you. After this, many of the disciples turned back. After this is after the challenging text of, do you want to eat my flesh and drink my blood? Many disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? So disciples refers to the thousands who were gathered, or this large gathering, and many of them just walked off. They said, we're out of here. We're not interested in it. This belief, eat my flesh, I don't want to hear it, and I don't actually want to unpack it. I just want to say that I don't like it, and if I don't like it, goodbye. You ever know someone like that in your life? You say something, even though you know that it's correct, they won't even let you finish talking because they've already decided it offends them, so they're gone. Uh, This is part of the challenge we are facing as a society. We no longer are willing to give anyone a hearing. Anyone. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Few of us listen anymore. Listening just isn't a reality. Uh, A marketing class I took now 15 15 years ago, uh, there was a real interesting study about the length of news reports and ads. Uh, And it just talked about how long a news break would be. Uh, and it went from a period of like, hey, a news flash could be a minute and a half or two minutes. And then it went down to like 50 seconds. And then they went down to 30. And now they're down to like seven seconds. And trust me, this study was 15 years ago. Now it's social media. So we're, we're learning things from what? Like microseconds and making huge conclusions. So if you wonder how people could be offended at what Jesus is saying, boy, they even probably had longer attention spans than we have now. And they still said, we're done with you. So are you offended at what is happening here? Now, the first reading for us to frame this was from Proverbs. Proverbs comes from King Solomon. Uh, We found ourselves in Proverbs 9, and we took through the first 10 verses. King Solomon pulled together Israelite wisdom uh, and shaped that for us. The 10th verse uh, concluded with this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is insight. That's where we started in our Old Testament reading. So for us to understand the challenge of John 6, verse 60 and 61, that we're going to eat flesh and have this, and what's God up to in that, do we have as our starting point the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? Because if we don't think that the Lord's actually starting and is our bedrock, that he's our common ground, 
It'll be real difficult for us to build on anything else, and we may just find ourselves like many of those that heard Jesus doing what? Checking out. Now, Proverbs 8 and 9, just before it, shared this. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Now, the Proverbs, or anyone ever try to read like a chapter of Proverbs? How'd that go? Yeah, it doesn't go well. See, Proverbs isn't written as a narrative. And, and please, when I say it doesn't go well, Proverbs is great. I encourage you to read it, but you should read it as a proverb. They're wisdom sayings. So as we look at this one, it's realizing it's teaching you something that individual proverb teaches you. Collectively, they will help shape you. But listen to it again. Do not reprove a scoffer who will hate you. So someone who is making fun, mocking, or doesn't even appreciate you, if you reprove them, correct them, offer them some correction... The Bible's actually kind of clear, and I think they've got something here. People who are utterly opposed to you, if you offer a correction, may do what in response? Don't worry, you can just read it. It's right there. You don't have to, you don't have to be angry. You can just read it. They may hate you. Now, the challenge for us is we're not talking about anything among spectrums left, right, up, or down. We're talking about the Lord. So someone who's not in the Lord, who doesn't like anything that we say in church, believes that we're out to somehow make everyone stop doing what they're doing and only do it our way and doesn't realize that we begin with the fear of the Lord as our common ground, they may just hate you. And remember, the scriptures talk about this. They don't actually hate you exclusively. They really hate who? They hate Jesus. It just so happens you're a placeholder for him because you're his child. So sometimes when we take too much offense and we say, well, they're after me. They're only after you because they want to get after you because they want to try to knock out who? Jesus. So don't get too big ahead. Trust me, you're a child of God, but knocking you out isn't their ultimate goal. They want to take out who? I just want to make sure that you say it a couple times. They're after Jesus. But Jesus has allowed us to be in between. Verse 9, reprove a wise man and he'll love you. There are not as often in our lives that we come across someone who categorizes this, that you actually correct someone. A wise person who, when they're corrected, goes, thank you, I I didn't realize. And they may not say thank you right away. Sometimes it can take two or three days. It might take a week or so, and they just kind of realize, man, you're you're right, I was blind, I didn't realize that. It was something I didn't, I wasn't aware in how I was speaking, talking, saying, doing, living. Uh, Sometimes if you're an adult, you realize uh, that your kids tell you that when they're like 40. They didn't tell you that at all, like in their 20s or 30s, but then they got to 40 and they realized, hey, you know, it turns out a couple of things you did know not all of it i don't want to give you too much credit but you know you were trying the best with what you what as a parent the best with what you had uh sometimes we look at stuff as if everything we've done in life happened in 2018 how many of you have lived your entire life in 2018 i was trying to think like we had any infants here who'd be like technically yes Uh, but all of us have lived across a wider spectrum so what is it that we take offense at Well, we take offense at the idea that there could be something bigger happening that we may not fully understand. We can take offense at how the Lord works. That's what's happening in John 6. They don't like that Jesus is presenting something to them they didn't fully understand. And rather than stick around to find out what it means, they were contented at that moment to just be offended. Which is a weird thing to say, isn't it? They were contented to be offended. They were okay just being angry and running away than sticking around to find out what's happening. 
couple things to recall for us. You didn't pick Jesus. Jesus picked you. You didn't write the gospel. The good news came to you. It doesn't need your tweaks. It doesn't need your edits to make it relevant. God's message in the Bible is relevant because all creation is called to wake up from its slumber. This is what kind of connects all three pieces. We've got John 6, the challenge people going, God, I don't like what you're saying here. A crowd who doesn't understand who Jesus is, who doesn't begin with a fear of the Lord as their foundation and struggles with eating my flesh. That John, if you were again, I encourage you during the week, look at John 5, look at John 3, you'll see this belief motif. John drives belief as what moves us and draws us forward. But now we get the need for us as a church. Some of you are like, yeah, but I'm okay with God feeding me. I get the Lord's Supper. I can see. Yeah, well, John 6 isn't talking about the Lord's Supper. It's talking about belief. But how is it that I wake up? Well, I wake up by going to Ephesians. This is what Paul's doing. So turn there with me. We're going to wrap up, uh, kind of draw things together by going into Paul's text in Ephesians to see how is it that I take a world that can be so offended at Jesus, how am I okay with that? though I have a common ground of realizing the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Paul says this in chapter 5, in a church that, remember, he had spent three years in, a congregation longer than any other mission congregation he visited, started, founded, planted, or was involved with. Three years. How many of you remember someone you met in college? How many of you remember professors you had in college? How many of you remember teachers you had in high school? See, for some of you, you weren't with those people for three entire full years. Sometimes it was a semester, and you still remember them. He was there for three years. So realize Paul's invested with these people. And about five years later, he wrote this letter back to them. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 6 and 8. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now, some of you may be feeling a little pulled with text, so I want to just set where we're headed right now. We've got the challenge of John 6 and people who don't understand what God's Word's saying. We've got the foundation of the fear of the Lord, the Israelites in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and then us sitting here in this world called Ephesus, who are being asked, you are now in Christ. You, the people here at Jordan Luther Church, in Christ, who Christ has entered in, is indwelling us. How do I live with the people who are so offended at anything Jesus says, and don't want anything to do with a Christian church, but to realize that those people also don't have a foundation. Well, what Paul says to them is, I need you to walk like Christians. I need you to walk like the light's in you. I need you to be different. I need you to realize you are uniquely in Christ. And the person who's offended by Jesus is offended because Christ is not fully in them at this moment, at this hour. Name some others who at some points are not fully in Christ. Hint. Peter. Get behind me. Satan. So when we get with John 6 and we start saying, yeah, the scoffers. That's right. Proverbs said scoffers and and, and I'm not a scoffer. (laughs) Yeah, those people in John 6, they didn't understand Jesus was talking about his belief. And then he's going to deliver up the Lord's Supper a a few, a couple later. And and then if only they understood what, if only they understood what we proper Christians know. (laughs) We proper Christians have the exact same pitfalls that the original 12 disciples did and that the thousands did. We think we have all the answers. 
You know who's real good at thinking they have all the answers? Yeah. Clergy. Well, we've studied it, so we've got it all. Everyone in whatever task the Lord's given you, remember, the Lord's the one who's in charge. Don't ever assume more than what God's given you. And always make sure we're pointing back to Christ and how he is working in our lives. The text continues, verse 10 through 12. Try to discern what's pleasing to the Lord. See, Paul says to the people, yes, you're going to walk differently, but actually go about discerning how this goes. So if you're offended, discern what the Lord's up to. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of the things they do in secret. It's shameful. If my grandparents, who are now sainted, could hear some of the things that are spoken of and written in newspapers, in social media, and on television shows, they'd vomit. The interesting thing, though, is my grandparents weren't prudes. And I think this is a a false picture some people have about previous generations, like that they weren't involved uh, in, in any unique things. My grandfather was a tie everyday guy. Every day. Every day. I mean, like, retired from work every day, had a tie. It was only, like, the last few months of his life he didn't wear a tie. You came over to see him, and we were going to go, like, hang out. Before we went to go to the little pond behind his house, he put on a what? Tie. Only when we put on swimwear, tie came off. Came back, tie on. I had this picture of my grandfather being this person who like, nothing could ever uh, impact him, and he never sat there, and he was everything was straightforward. Uh, and then the Lord, just in his closing days, uh, you know, kind of removed a little of his filters, if you will. So as I looked at this text, it says, for whatever is shameful even to speak of things they do in secret. I had this picture like my grandparents never had any connection. They would never talk about things and be evil. And you know what my grandfather did? And I thought it was like the neatest like childhood love thing that I ever witnessed from my grandparents. I was sitting on a swing with my grandfather, uh, and we're just swinging back and forth, and my grandmother, uh, in a house they were living, they had some additional help, and he was getting some help during the days. He looks over at me, and I was no longer his grandchild. And I mean that. You need to re- wasn't his grandchild. He looks over and goes, that is a beautiful woman. And I sat there, and I realized my grandfather loved that woman so much in her 80s, and he got like that giddy, like high school smile. So I mean, just, I mean, just so you realize what that was. And he was like, yeah, she's pretty. And I just looked at this, but all of his life, it was this whole piece that we had to protect everything. So when people say that like it's prudish to not talk about things and to keep things in secret, no, my grandparents knew what love was and kissing and other things like that, but my grandparents knew some things just don't need to be what? Broadcast. And he didn't say a single crass thing to me that day. He just looked at me as if I was like his 21-year-old friend. <laughs> and I was like flabbergasted. Like I told my brother later, I'm like, I, like I, I walked away stunned. Like, I think Pap just said he loved grandmother. I mean, like really said it. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. But I bring it to you today because sometimes we get offended that somehow God says, I want you to live differently. No, I should have freedom in Christ to say whatever I want. Christ never said you had freedom to say whatever you want. Christ said, I want you to live a chaste life. I want you to live a glorious life. Uh, And if you have to fall in love with someone, wonderful. If you don't, that's fine. Paul said, don't get married. It's better. I've met a couple of you, you know, just through life, there's some things where you thought you were in love, and it turns out that there were some struggles. Uh, There's good and bad in everything. 
But don't just take offense, John 6, 60. Oh, that's terrible. How dare you say that? We're offended. We're out of here, Jesus. When the tough get going, do, the, do we just go? I mean, because the going's tough, so I'm out of here. Or do I say, hey, maybe I need to dig a little deeper into the text to find out what's going on. This is what Paul's getting to. Therefore, it says, this is interesting, in the text, many have looked and said, well, what is this? It's likely a hymn uh, that's sung in that day, because there's no other biblical reference to the passage, awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. It's likely an early hymn uh, that's sung in the church. So he's pointing back to something and says, therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, Christ will shine on you. If you're offended by something in church, how could this be? Maybe Christ needs to shine in you and open up something that you haven't seen to realize, Lord, you want me to act differently. You want me to be okay with this person's offended by the word of God uh, because they don't have this common ground, and I don't really know how to jive all that together yet. But Lord, may Christ shine on me that I can serve that person who's troubled by you and that person who's fully grounded in you. Ephesians 5, 14 and 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And this wasn't written in 2018. Don't miss it. The Bible knew how severe the challenge was that humanity faced, that evil was all around and always trying to get at you. The enemy prowls around you like a lion seeking to devour you. How many lions like walk out in the middle of the, of the jungle and are like, hey, man, who can I eat? They don't do that. Nature shows have taught you that, right? What do they do? Man, they sneak up and they're crazy. And when they get you, it's fast. And you can kick and scream all you want, but you're dead the moment they grab you. Realize this is what sin does. Do not play with hot irons. Why is it as a child my mom and my dad always yelled at me when I played around the oven? You know the answer, right? It will burn you. When my brother and I roughhouse and my mom was ironing clothes, why was she angry? She was afraid I'd get burned. The church doesn't want you to live a prudish life. The church wants you to live a wonderful, joyous life. God isn't trying to offend you. God's calling you back unto himself. We get the connection then from John 6 all the way back to Proverbs 9 in this. Simon Peter answered him. He answers him when he goes back to the 12. Remember a few verses before, if you're still sitting there at 6. After all the Greek group had left, he goes to the 12 and says, so what do you want to do? Are you offended too? Are you 12 going to check out? Simon, who again is never short on words. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know you are the Holy One of God. That connection again where you were struggling with the text of what's happening with eating my flesh, what's John pointing to you again? It's all about, it's about belief. The people didn't want to believe that God may lay claim to part of their life. So they found something that to them was offensive. And the moment they could find something offensive, they now had an excuse to do what to all of Jesus' teaching. Reject it. That was their way out. See, when people run from the church many times, what I've discovered is they will name something that may not be entirely true, but it seems right to them for why they've left. We had one family who left our congregation because they said there was no place for their stroller. That was their reason. We could not accommodate a stroller. 
Now, what did I, of course, say to them? Well, you know, just before, you know, we could certainly do this. And if you'd like help, we could have it. I have ushers take that stroller back out. They weren't looking for me to fix it. They wanted to make sure I knew that that was the, that was the excuse. Because someone had laid hold of them. And that someone wasn't one of you. It was the enemy who did not want them to get closer to God's word, who did not want them to realize that Christ wants to set them free from the bondage that is so readily apparent. Churches make this as if like better coffee keeps people. Not really. It, it doesn't. It can, I mean, it can be nice. Trust me, I'm all for nice coffee. If it was bad, I'm sorry. I had my hands in it this morning, so, you know, blame me. Not like in it, sorry. That's, <laughs> yeah, I know you guys are like, we are never coming. People online are like, I'm never going to that church, man. But to realize God cares for you. It's verse 69 that takes you back to the beginning. Jesus is the key. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Verse 69, the disciples say through Peter, and we have come to know you are the Holy One of God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, knowledge of the righteous, the Holy One. Proverbs has a whole lot to tell you about Jesus because Jesus has a whole lot to enlighten about Proverbs. To serve Christ, you must know the Christ who has come, the Christ who has died, the Christ who has risen, the Christ who will come again. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.